Whether it's digital or analog design that keeps you busy, today it's all about the experience. This is Experience by Design, a podcast exploring the latest trends and solutions helping create the most intriguing experiences you can imagine and the ones you can't. Hosted by Brian Mazaros. Welcome to another episode of the Experience by Design podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Mazaros, and today we welcome David Title, partner at Bravo Media. Uh, for you guys that do not know, so Bravo Media is a multi-platform creative studio focused on enhanced engagement through dynamic experiences. David and his team have worked on creating experiences for Mercedes, Saks Fifth Avenue, and most recently, the Krispy Kreme flagship up in Times Square in New York City. So, David, thank you for joining. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Ah, this is this is awesome to uh, to catch up with you. Yeah, favorite subject. So you know, can't go wrong. No, you can't. You can't. I mean, there's always conversations that just go on and on and on. So it's a, it's a good sure. Thing. Yeah. So I was I was trying to think of like how do we how do we like kick this off and and I'm like, well, you know, he sat down. You you sat down with all the grades. You know, you got Dave Haynes, you, you got Gonzalez, you got Ray Pubs, and I'm like, ah, you're sitting down with Mizarro. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> How am I going to roll with this one? You know, what do I start with? So I was thinking about this. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put this guy on the spot. I'm going to ask you what your favorite Krispy Kreme donut is. Oh, I mean, look, if there's one thing you learn at Krispy Kreme working with them, there, there's nothing better than the original waste. It's impossible to beat. And the killer thing about working on the project in Times Square is uh, part of that job was we were projecting on the actual donuts as they moved down the conveyor belt. Uh, and tracking those donuts as they moved while we projected on them, which required, you know, a lot of live testing and a lot of fresh baked donuts that uh, were made after hours and, you know, had to be consumed. And it was a dangerous game. It's very OG by going with the glaze, but I, I like the style. Really can't beat it. It's amazing. Hot off the line. Come on. You uh, can't go wrong with it. Yeah, you have, and you have to sample the product. And I, I, you do. You can't. You can't. You know. It was unfortunately for Mercedes, they weren't as into letting us have take-home <laughs> samples. But uh, you know, it didn't stop us from asking. Isn't it awesome when you have clients that have really great products and they send you samples? That's that's uh, always so lovely. And uh, you know, we did. Yes, yeah, you know, we did a project with Lincoln. Same thing. We did not get nothing showed up in my uh, in my driveway. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, that's, that's a that's sad. a fail in there. I think you know. That's a fail. We might have gotten some stickers. Uh, we do work with Hershey. Oh yeah, and, and so every Halloween, I kid you not, there is between five and seven pounds of chocolate that show up That's at amazing. the door, and it is, it is, it is awesome. Um, I had to, I had to laugh last year because we we were doing a new project and it got postponed due to due to the pandemic, and they sent us all these gigantic. Uh, you know, like the giant bars they have, like the giant Kit Kats and the yeah, chocolate yeah, yeah. bars. So I was sitting on, <laughs> it's the worst thing to sit on almost like 10 pounds of this chocolate <laughs> in, in, the, in the pandemic. I mean, upside, I didn't have to worry about going to the store. Downside, no, that, that didn't do too good for the waistline. Um, no, no, <laughs> so, you don't just want sort of like just a 10 pound bar of chocolate just hanging out with you for months. No, you don't. Just, you, you know, calling you, you your name at all hours of the day and night. No. No, it's, it's not good. It's not good. So, well, I'm glad we clarified the whole candy and donut yeah, yeah. question. So it was, it was an important topic. Needed yeah, to do it. absolutely. So, 
But uh, you know, so how how is it? I mean, how are you guys doing? You know, now with with everything. I mean, what do you what are you seeing out there? Well, you know, certainly there's an increase just generally in you know quote unquote business. Uh, you know, more projects starting up, a lot more inquiries, a lot of people you know feeling confident enough to plan again. I think you know, aside from everything being closed. Which makes it tough to do a whole lot. There was also just for quite a while there just wasn't enough confidence in in any sector really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe grocery and liquor uh, was doing okay, but um, you know, and and uh, I think as you know, as things have gotten a little more under control and people feel like there's a you know an opening in the clouds, they're they're definitely looking ahead, and that's true for. You know, both the longer term stuff we do in retail and hospitality and commercial real estate, but also, you know, even on the event side, we have a crew en route uh, tomorrow to Miami for a Bacardi activation. Oh, nice. You know, it's going to be a, a, you know, not surprising that it's out in Florida, I guess, but, sure. um, you know, sure. uh, they, they're leading the way in large groups of unmasked people. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's great to see uh, brands starting to get back into it. And, you know, and the truth is, even with Bacardi, the whole design and approach to their activation is one that still, uh, you know, it's not let's pack a tent with 5,000 people. Uh, let's find things that people can, you know, participate in, but still have a sense of space and, and uh, you know, degree of control over the, the density of it all. Do you do you see these, these guys? I mean, th- this is... And part of the observation I've been seeing is, is that they're challenging creativity, meaning that it's not the same approach to engagement that it was before everything and shut down. I mean, and do you, I guess that, you know, to add to that, do you think there's a sense of understanding that they need to really convince people to come out to whether it's a store or to a pop-up because it it is unique it's different it's not what it was yeah absolutely i mean especially if you look at retail uh you know for better or for worse we all learned that we can get just about everything we need online uh if that's our only option Uh, i don't think people lacked for acquisition of stuff during the pandemic uh and um, so, you know, the question is now that I have the option to go back out to a store to uh, to shop and to get things, uh, what's the what's the reason for doing it? And and the truth is, a lot of this is is the same story as pre pandemic, which is that, uh, you know, I think most people, you know, let's take groceries out of the out of the story and, and a couple of other things, but you know, we look at going out shopping as an entertainment, uh, as a thing to do, uh, as much as it is a way to acquire something. Yeah. Which is why a lot of people go shopping and come home with nothing, whereas almost nobody opens up Amazon with a plan in mind and then leaves with nothing in their cart. Um, because you went to Amazon not for pleasure, not for the kicks. Uh, not for the experience, but you went there because you needed batteries um, or sweatpants or whatever it was, and that was the quickest, easiest way to get it. And from the retail side, I think it's it's it was already beginning to happen. I think it's even more front of mind for the the smart retailers out there that 
they have to make shopping into something we do for the pleasure of going and being in the environment as the thing that's above acquiring the product. Because yep. at the end of the day, if my, if my primary goal is product acquisition, you're not going to be able to compete with e-commerce on selection, on sort of baseline convenience. Uh, but where you absolutely can compete is that, you know, uh, I pick on Amazon a little bit because it's so much this way, but you know, no one ever talks about e-commerce shopping online as like the most fun thing they did that day. Yeah. Uh, and they certainly don't share that, you know, you're not out to dinner and tell people about the experience you just had, uh, shopping at, at, uh, at walmart.com, uh, as much as their, you know, commercials might beg you to believe otherwise. Uh, but, um, I think people do talk about exciting experiences they have in brick and mortar retail. And mm -hmm. people have told me about the cool things they did at the Nike store or the, uh, the experience that they've had at a Glossier or, um, you know, stores that are really thinking about experience and thinking about environment as a way to distinguish themselves completely from e-commerce and not even say, we're, I'm not competing with e-commerce. I'm offering you, uh, an experience that's going to be fulfilling in, in ways that you will never have shopping on your phone or on your computer. You know, you bring up a good point. I mean, you talk about the fulfilling aspect of it. I mean, do you, you know, when I, you know, kind of think about experience design, I mean, it's, there needs to be a, a, a purpose behind it. You know, yeah. it, it just can't be an unfulfilled experience. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's like, you know, pull the curtain and you see nothing. It can't, it can't yeah. end like that. Um, yeah. You know, Nike does a great job because it's connected. There's a there's a CTA. There's a there's an end result of of obtaining something through an experience. Yep. Do you think a, a lot struggle though in, in in connecting the dots between delivering great experience, but then having a result at the end of it? Yeah. I, well, I think it's a it's a little bit of. Uh, on one hand, I think sometimes they're just not thinking through the full process. But on the other side, I think when when you look at some really, you know, uh, base level metrics that help drive sales in a brick and mortar retail space, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the big, big drivers are things like dwell time and, uh, and interaction with the physical product. And so things that you're able to do through experience, whether those are uh, simply environmental uh, or they're interactive or they're responsive, um, help push those very baseline kind of metrics. Uh, and, and so even, even going to the point of making the experience of being in your store a more uh, engaging sensory experience, however, whatever that means for your brand and for your, and for your, you know, your sector within the marketplace, but that alone is a huge uh, improvement and, and will undeniably begin to move the needle. Uh, you know, if I walk into a store and it doesn't feel alive and engaging and compelling, I'm not going to stand there. I'm not going to walk around long enough to buy anything, uh, let alone engage in your interactive display or your next level experience where I can, you know, personalize con personalize something or I can uh, help create and share something.
I mean, here's you bring up some good points. So, I, you know, kind of just want to go on onto the Krispy Kreme for. I know we're going a little away from retail, but so I, I don't know how. I mean, how much did your interaction did you have with with Shoot Gurdman? Because I know they were the designers of the store. Yep. Uh, so we were the very last team to the table at Krispy Kreme for uh, a bunch of reasons that had nothing to do with us. Um, but uh, so we came on board after a lot of the uh, sort of key physical uh, and, and sort of uh, hard good decisions had been made and a lot of the okay. sort of poor design stuff had been made. And so a lot of our interaction was shoot was as we were helping to develop what we were bringing into this uh, to this uh, experience. Uh, working with them to make sure that we could, uh, that they could accommodate us, that we could do things that would, would help not disturb certain things. Um, and, uh, and that was true for, you know, uh, a number of the other folks on their arsenal who did a lot of the fixtures and, and um, hard goods and sign and stuff. And yeah. How stifling would you say that is in, on, on the creative process? And, and I, I guess where I'm, I'm, you know, getting at this, I always kind of feel that you, you know that conversation. I mean, where where digital lies in the store is 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 equally important as the kind of experience it delivers. And I I sometimes hate and not to, not to riff on it, but I mean I sometimes hate when things are thought about later on after spaces have been defined. Because... Oh, it's it's never ideal, but but the truth is, especially in retail, you know, we're almost always going. It's very rare. Like, you know, the thing was we were we were early enough to Krispy Kreme that nothing was built yet. Uh, and so, uh, you know, but it's pretty rare to go into a retail project where you're helping, where you're there at the inception of the physical store. Mm -hmm. uh, we're almost always going into, you know, relatively established sort of physical, uh, physical establishments and, and, and having to one, help figure out, hey, here's what infrastructure's in place that we can use. Here's what we can really take advantage of and enhance. Here's where we'd recommend, you know, maybe a larger physical change. Uh, and sometimes that's viable and sometimes that's not. And, and we have to work around that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, those kinds of limitations and constraints also really help drive creativity. And so for us, we always, you know, we love when someone presents us with, you know, the photos and, and ground plans of a, of a space and says, okay, how do we make this awesome? Uh, and, and we have to figure that out, uh, you know, and that, that helps drive the decision for the technology that we use, for the way that technology is managed, for the way the, the intended audience interacts with it. Um, and so those are all factors that get involved. But, you know, with, with Krispy Kreme, I think they had a very solid idea of kind of what they wanted the sort of customer journey to be through the, through the space. And they had an idea of what their key elements were. And our job really there was to say, cool, this is a great donut shop, uh, but this is Times Square and you're right on Broadway. And that comes with a set of expectations that almost no other retail space is going to have. And so uh, our sort of role in all of this was to, you know, help to create that next layer 
that you know it's broadway it's theater it's it's bright lights big city it's all those yeah. things and yep. and people coming to the flagship in times square for krispy kreme uh it's not just enough that they have this incredible donut making uh factory in there and that you know no. uh it smells like heaven it's got to go further yeah so i know you used a, lo a lot of projection um in that do you i mean with with, with other projects and you know I've, I've seen the stuff you did for for moose knuckles and you know, I think with Mercedes and some projection as well. I mean, do you do you like that opportunity to really challenge space and 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 challenge linear design by, you know, being able to, you know, bring digital into or onto a surface or into an environment where you're not dealing with a traditional canvas? Yeah, for us, our touchstone for almost everything we do that we always try to go back to is this idea of surprise and delight, because those two factors. Uh, I feel get overlooked and underestimated in terms of their mm -hmm. value and their power. And so one of the reasons we've always loved projection mapping that predates, you know, that goes back to when we were really much more in the sort of short term and event kind of world uh, is that, you know, they are a great tool for uh, transforming an environment in ways that are unexpected and uh, harder to uh, immediately figure out. Um, and so they create all this opportunity and the, you know, as we uh, honed our skills with, with that as a, as a platform and really learned what we could do with it, the technology got better and better. And so the physical projectors finally got to the point where they're no longer lamp-based, they have lasers or they're LED. And so they're stable. Uh, they can run 20, 30,000 hours without a maintenance check, um, you know, so they became viable. They got smaller. Uh, they didn't, uh, you couldn't fry an egg on them anymore. Uh, you know, so they became a really viable option for the right environments for long-term display as well. Um, and so I think in retail, uh, you know, we went from, you know, posters and, and, and static signage to sort of screens popping up everywhere and then everyone turning their screens into portrait mode. And that was pretty cool and then kind of video walls and then you know certainly as as led prices have have gotten a little more accessible uh a lot more led and we're actually doing a lot more led than we used to uh but uh but projection is still kind of got this magical element to it and has a way to is, is, you can manipulate a space in ways that you simply can't do with a screen or with led and so yeah we like that I mean, I like to you kind of think. I think the the phrase you used, I think, was surprise and delight. Um, I mean, I, I I love that because I think you know ultimately, you know, that's that's the root of of an experience. Um, you know, it's it's creating these moments that that are impactful that you remember because uh, you're not going to remember everything, but you 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 will remember, you know, a projection onto some, you know, just different type of canvas or, or surface. I mean, do you, do you find it challenging or do you, I guess it's time two questions. I mean, one, do you, do you find it challenging to continue to, to think of, of, of using projection or, you know, as you said, LED, cause there's, there's a lot of creativity with LED to enable you to have and, and create these surprise, these, these surprise moments. You know, the, the thing for us is I, the, the experience always is connected back to 
the environment and to whether it's the event or the brand or the product or the person. Um, and so all of those, that all brings sort of its own energy and its own, its own take. And so that always helps us to sort of not get stuck. Uh, and, and at the same time, you know, just like, um, you know, a good film editor knows certain tricks of the trade that get you to lean forward, uh, and get you to not, you know, change the channel, um, or whatever it is, you know, we've learned, uh, a sort of a, a toolbox of, of things that we can apply to different situations that we have confidence in reaching a certain level of engagement. And then it's, it's coloring that and, and adjusting it and uh, making it work for, to feel organic and fresh and connected to the place where it's living. And so for us, it's not, you know, our goal isn't, uh, you know, people will ask like, what's the latest and greatest sort of technology? And, and a lot of times I'm like, you know, I don't like the latest and greatest technologies because they break. Uh, and there's nothing worse in a store than like a blue screen of death or a out of order or, a, you know, or some poor store manager who's suddenly having to do IT. Um, and so it's kind of, you know, how can we take things that we really know and understand and believe in and and apply them in, in, in new and creative ways? Yeah, no, I, I like I like how you you phrase that, and, and I think you probably agree with this too. Is I, I also am not a fan where you know clients are are, are asking or saying, "I, I you know, give me give me that, give me this, like, yeah, give me that VR experience. I'll take one yeah. of those." And, and yeah. like, well, that doesn't make no sense. That that will not work for you. Right. Um, I'm glad you saw that online. That's that's a great YouTube clip you sent me, but no, right? That's well, and there's a lot of that, you know, the YouTube clips are always, you know, everything is a best case scenario in those YouTube clips. Oh, um, and they never amazing. show, you know, like one thing we're like, we get asked about a lot is like motion tracking, right? Mm-hmm. And yep, the motion trackers have gotten better. Uh, and again, in the right environment, in the right controlled settings, you can do quite a bit with it. But, you know, you're doing a motion detection thing and a bunch of people start crowding around, it's going to fall apart. Uh, the lighting shifts and it's going to fall apart. Um, and so, so it's, again, that's sort of, uh, it's about understanding. And that's why, you know, our team, our, our internal team is, is, you know, has our animators and our developers and our engineers all sitting together in the same space, uh, so that we're making sure that we understand, Hey, this is the experience we want to create and it has to work like this. Is it going to, you know, is it going to break? Uh, is it going to be, you know, is it going to have too steep a learning curve? Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many well-intentioned sort of, uh, displays in, in, in retail or other uh, sort of public spaces that you're just like, you're just asking too much of people. Like, you know, they're just wandering by. They don't want to spend 10 minutes figuring out how to do this thing. It's, it's very true. Um, you know, I, I just... I don't know, maybe I was a little late to the table on this one, but there was a, a book I just came um, across a couple of weeks ago called "The um, The Power of Moments." Uh huh. And uh, I, I, you know, I love the one case that's in there of the popsicle um, hotline at the uh, the Magic Castle Hotel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 I love it because I mean, for for those that do not know this, it's, you do have to read this. But basically, it's it was just a an experience created to where you pick up a phone at poolside. 
and the concierge answers and you ask them for they ask you what kind of popsicle you'd like and within you know minutes there is a a uh, a server wearing white gloves that delivers you the popsicle and um you know it's it's kind of fun because it it's just that that's what resonates with with people that go to this hotel and it's 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 not the you know the beverly's uh, you know the top hotel in in that area yeah and, chateau um, marmont yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 so it just you know, it speaks to these moments that if they're thought about correctly and they don't have to be overly intricate really do change a person's perception. Well, you know, that's the other thing. I think I think a lot of times, you know, folks will think it has to be huge, it has to be big, it has to be but like little moments like I love, you know, we call it sort of, uh, sort of like, we call it like spotlight projection. Um, so in our studio, we have a lot of different stuff on display and, you know, people can check out kind of the things we've been playing with. And one of the things that we've had on display for a long time is a pair of Nikes that we mapped out and, and project onto. Um, and they're, they're just, they're literally two sneakers on the wall uh, of a fairly good sized space with a lot of other stuff happening. But when people notice it and take it in, it becomes one of their favorite moments of coming by the studio because it was this little moment of transformation uh, on a bookshelf, essentially. Uh, and, and it has this great impact and great staying power and people remember it. And so, you know, that's why, it, you know, surprise and, and delight can little moments are so valuable and, and, peppering a retail experience with a series of those little moments can just be such a, you know, hugely powerful thing. No, I, I, I completely agree. And and I think that's where, you know, that's what kind of like now with, with how everything is, is I think transpiring, you know, it's, it's, it's no longer, you know, going to the store necessarily for, for product. It's, it's going for the experience. It's, it's going to maybe learn a little bit more about it to, you know, connect with the brand based on maybe something you'd seen on a YouTube video or just, you know, something that's a unique moment that otherwise you can't get at home. And and I feel like there's such a, I don't know if demand is the right word, but I think there's such a craving from us as, as consumers for these experiences. And I think the pressure is then on the retailer to to deliver that. But I mean, to your, to your point, but it has to be, you know, organic. It, it can't be forced. It, it can't be you know, staged to the point you, you, you perceive this as, as fake because then, then it's, it's taking away from the value of, of the brand. Um, it, you know, again, it has to be the, the experience, the, uh, the environment, it has to be authentic to that brand mm -hmm. uh, in some way. And, you know, it was interesting. I was thinking about, uh, you know, because obviously one of the sections for retail that's, that's been a challenge pre-COVID and is certainly a challenge now is, is the is, you know, retail apparel. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it dawned on me that if I walked into a Zara, an H&M, a Gap, a, uh, maybe even Uniqlo, and you simply remove the actual signs that said Zara or H&M or, uh, or Club Monaco or Banana Republic, I think most people will be hard pressed to tell you what store they were in. And, and that's a problem. That's a huge problem, but it's a great observation because you're absolutely right. Because the difference, the difference in their actual product isn't big enough 
It's shirts, pants, dresses. Uh, the price points are not wildly different. Uh, you know, so what, what is it about going to, you know, H&M, aside from I can get a, a $5 t-shirt, um, that's going to be an experience that's memorable and unique from going to Zara or going to, you know, any of the other sort of, uh, large, uh, apparel chains. Well, is, is there, I mean, uh, let me ask you this question. I mean, I, I mean, this could be a tough one, but I mean. I mean, what was the last time you went into a store and were just, wow, I, wow. I mean, I, I, you know, for a long, I've, I've been a fan of the, the flagship Nike store on Fifth Avenue in New York City for a long time. They've done a few renditions of it. Uh, and I've always been impressed both with the energy that they're able to create. And again, I, flagship is a special case. And, and I think it is one of the challenges for retailers is how do I take the the things I can do in a flagship and, and then, you know, how do I roll that out to 50, 100, 250 smaller doors? Um, and that's something we think about a lot and, and, and it's a challenge. Um, but, uh, and that's why we think a lot about these smaller moments and the value of them. But, uh, you know, I think uh, it's, it's got, a, uh, and honestly, I really, I, I, you know, and it's funny because I literally went, I literally have gone just to soak in the experience and try not to look a weirdo, but like Glossier has a great in-store experience. Um, and, uh, and not all, but, uh, you know, uh, and sometimes I think they lose the thread a little bit, but I think Sephora has done a pretty good job uh, over the course of the last few years of, of making something out of their, their experience. And there's some really cool stuff you know, coming up now that I think is great. Uh, the whole notion of uh, the Dick's Sporting Goods creating Dick's Fieldhouse uh, is is great. Uh, and if they can take that to the next level and they can use that new resource to be a part of the community, and if they can have little league teams practicing there for free and they can have, you know, there's an opportunity, I think also for uh, for retail to connect back to the communities they're in. Um, through experience, and uh, and there should be more of that too. It doesn't make me a lot of money, but I think we should have it. <laughs> no, no. Well, I was just say, I mean, I, I agree, and I think you, you kind of look at it a couple of ways. I mean, I think the brands that I find interesting that you know has been going on for years is a lot of these you know um, direct to consumer brands or brands that started online that have you know developed. I mean, I you know think of Warby Parker and and and. Uh, Sonos and Mac Weldon and Bonobos and, and and these guys that you know have understood you know the learnings from the e-commerce on on the site to translating that into a great in-store experience. Now it's not you know wall-to-wall -wall digital. I mean I think for someone would be hard pressed to find a screen or or interactive in there, but there's a there's a great shopping experience that you know mirrors or you know mimics to a degree what what's online so i think you have those brands that have figured out how to simplify it in a smaller footprint yep and i think even those brands now are starting to realize that the the visual uh environmental experience needs to come to the next place too because now we're used to those stores warby parker doesn't look new and exciting anymore um it's efficient 
and it's well thought out, but it's, but honestly, like the best Warby Parker thing is their glasses try on app. Um, I don't even buy Warby Parkers and I've spent hours on that app. Uh, so I wear glasses and, and, uh, they don't make my lens kind, but I like to look at their frames. Um, uh, but, uh, I think even, I think a lot of those brands really led the way in something that's actually in some ways become a bit of a curse. And, uh, and I have a very good friend, uh, uh, uh who has a called Q division, um, which is a retail consultancy. And, uh, we have this ongoing, super friendly debate called data versus delight. Is this with Manolo? Uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and the notion of, you know, there's a real, there's a kind of almost crazy obsession in the retail space with data and data collection. Uh, and it's not that there isn't value in it, um, but you have to always keep in mind that that data you're collecting and the way you collect it and what, and, and, and the ability to collect, it doesn't actually necessarily make your customer experience better. Um, you just know more. And so, uh, I think, you know, it's easy to get really obsessed with the with the data and the numbers. And uh, there's a gentleman uh, in Paris who has a company called Heroin, and uh, and I've absolutely stolen this concept from him. Uh, but he really believes in this idea that uh, you know, for especially if you're talking about that retail world, you have to think a little bit less about you know uh, return on investment. You have to think about return on experience. And he, he calls it ROX, which I think is a great concept. Uh, this notion that, you know, what is the value? How do you explore and, and enhance the value of the experience? Um, because you'll be able to, one, find more ways to collect more meaningful data. And also, you need to be working with a team that understands how to take some of that data that you're collecting and, and use it to make better experiences that aren't data-driven experiences. Um, you know, yes, you should, you know, the connection between your, your brick and mortar and your e-com should work. And uh, it's great if you have kind of, you know, some of the stuff happening in the smart, smart dressing room space is really good. And, uh, you know, I love wandering checkout. That was like my favorite thing from the Apple stores from the beginning. I thought that was genius. Um, and they're all good things, but, you need to now go to that next level and say, what am I doing to take the actual experience that people are coming to my store without even knowing they're going to buy, thinking about buying anything uh, and, and really you know, maximizing that as an experience and, and putting value on it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, actually, the, speaking of the Apple experience, the, the Amazon grab and go experience is pretty cool as well. It is, it is, but, um, uh, you know, I think, you know, again, the other thing about these technologies is right now, Amazon's got grab and go, but in five years, everyone's going to have grab and go. And so it's not, it, it, you know, it's very hard to distinguish yourself with the customer through the cool data stuff you're doing. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I agree. I mean, it's it's, and I, I agree with you on, on on the data. I mean, it's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I, I think on the data, it's always been capture, 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 
And then what 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 does the consumer get back for allowing that to, to happen? Like where does it translate back into some level of experience or um, modification or, or something to improve or and, and encourage you to, to be there? I mean, you can you can have the personalization argument. Um, I think a lot of fail to deliver that though. Um, it's it's a great buzzword. It makes sense. Personalize this and. Even Sephora, um, you know, you can throw into there too. I mean, you had the, uh, was it a little bit of an AR makeup um, skin tone application? You know, okay, you know, it it makes sense. What else you have for me um, is my my response. And then everyone had that that app um, eventually. And, uh, you know, and I do think, you know, personalization interests me less than responsiveness. Like mm-hmm. I love, I'm, I'm becoming a little bit obsessed with having the environment be able to respond to the people in it, um, and not necessarily in pop-up ads, uh, you know, because that's not really fun. Um, but you know, the the idea of a dis, of a you know a shoe display that as you get closer to it glows brighter, mm-hmm. uh, that's super fun uh and simple and 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 it's like oh it knows i'm here it it's uh it's a moment of connection um and and using uh using a lot of the same sensors and other things that you're using to collect data use you can use to drive some of these uh more meaningful experiences in real time and it's less about personalization from the standpoint of i've got the perfect sneaker for you Mm-hmm. Um, or oh, I see you're a 35 year old white man. I think you would like these New Balance. Yeah. Um, which one? I think uh, again, that's like to me. That's if I want that kind of experience, I'm going to go on to an ecom site that's going to algorithm me to death. You know, a lot of why I will still go to a store is hopefully to see something I didn't think I was going to see, or be attracted to something I didn't know was out there. Um, and so sometimes the personalization in the store experience, uh, is a limiting factor more than, than a, an, an expansing, an expanding factor. So then, you know, I guess that the last question that, you know, I just, I mean, this is, this is, again, this is, this is a big one, but, you know, you mentioned about, you know, ROX and, uh, you know, you know, part of me is, I mean, we, we as an industry have gone through so many different RO, you know, return on objectives, return on experience. Uh, you know, the traditional OG ROI. Um, but I, I, I kind of wonder, I mean, you know, we keep coming up with new acronyms and, you know, it's, is it, I mean, I understand there needs to be a metric, you know, we're all striving towards some type of, of success or, or some, some type of progression. But then I think sometimes we just we fail to deliver on something. So we make up a new acronym to try to make ourselves feel good as if we did achieve something, but then yet only to realize that that acronym meant nothing. And we're back at the same table, scratching our heads and saying, well, what is, what really is, what should an experience be? And then you have those moments where you see, you know, brands come out with, with this experience that just blows everyone's socks off because they just took a look and said, mm, you know what, this is who we are. This is what we need to deliver for our customers. We're putting the customer in the center of this. And they just see a return on it, just basically just 
but because they understood who their customer was. I, 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 there's not like a solid number. Oh, you know, we had X. I mean, yes, sales and, but then there's that, you know, perception that sometimes doesn't have a number. Um, should, should, I mean, should experienced designers always be held to that type of a, a metric or a, a, you know, a standard or something is, I guess is the question. You know, it's certainly, it's, it's always been a challenge for us, uh, in terms of, um, helping to define our value for our clients and helping them sometimes see the value in, in what we're offering and what they can uh, get from that. And, and I do think that uh, in the same way branding falls into some of these softer kind of uh, data points, yep. um, I think there's various factors and, you know, experience and, and experiential marketing, experiential retail, you know, can mean a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, some experiences uh, have some pretty simple, straightforward metrics attached to them and some don't. Um, and so understanding why, you know, what is your impetus for doing it from the beginning? Yep. And sure, there's a bottom line of we want to sell more stuff. Um, but uh, to do that, one has to remain relevant. One has to be top of mind. One has to be desirable. Uh, and so, uh, you have to, on one level, you have to, you have to accept the underlying concept that that matters, that those are, whether or not you can measure them on a, with a, with a device, mm -hmm. uh, if you don't think those things matter, if you don't think relevancy matters, if you don't think, uh, uh people talking about you matters, if you don't think the feelings people have when they walk around your store matter, uh, then it's, it, then you're not going to buy in. Uh, and so part of it is believing in, in the underlying need for those sorts of uh, moments. And then, uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't, you know, some metrics that you can look at and some things you can tie into and, and get an idea of like, is this working? And, you know, we want to know those things too, because we can use that to make the experiences better. So, yeah. You know, I'm not a huge fan of like, because I don't think they really, I don't honestly believe they work and I don't, sorry, little New York City siren for everybody. Uh, I'm sure everyone's fine. Don't worry. Um, I have it's an experience. Every eight minutes. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a factor of, uh, hey, here's an exact number that you're going to get from doing this experience. It's got to be thinking about it a little more holistically, um, but still being able to say, hey, look, if one of your goals is, hey, we're really trying to build out our mailing list and I want to help create an experience that's going to really encourage people to share and opt into being on my mailing list. That's 100% valid and, and a perfectly good goal. And then you have to say, okay, what is an experience, a genuine experience we can create so that someone feels good about that exchange? And positive about that exchange. Uh, you know, we just did a, uh, a project uh, at, uh, at Bloomingdale's, which was a uh, custom gift wrap sort of experience where you could actually okay. design your own gift wrap paper using photos from your phone and you did a little kiosk and then they literally mm -hmm. printed it at the store uh, for you by checkout and you could uh, wrap your gift. And we just did it for Mother's Day. Um, and there's, you know, uh, it's a really cool experience. There's a really viable element to it. And there's a tactile element, which I always love. 
and uh, nobody's upset about providing an email so I can let you know when your product is done and uh, and opt in for you know for some emails from us. Mm-hmm. That's that's cool. Um, but I do think a lot of experiences when data collection is the primary focus that it ends up being not the best experience for the user. Yeah, exactly. Because of what they're trying to accomplish. It's, 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 it's not putting the user, um, not thinking about the user's best interest. Yeah. It's like a bait and switch, you know, it's just, it's, it doesn't feel fair. Well, it's going to be interesting. I think we're all in a, a really exciting time. Um, you know, I think it, it, it challenges us, which is, you know, I think what we've been waiting for. Um, yep. and I think brands and, 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 you know, across the board are, are starting to understand that, um, you know, they, they do need to, um, you know, think through exactly what they're delivering and, uh, and that, um, they need a differentiator. Yeah. I really want to see a return to that excitement. And, you know, I really feel we're right on the cusp of sort of a retail renaissance, and, you know, I think about, uh, you know, when Macy's first opened its doors in, the, in New York at Selfridges in London, and, you know, this idea that going shopping could be this magical, wondrous sort of uh, almost life-changing experience. And it was for a lot of people because that's just that experience, which, again, isn't the right experience for today, um, but that experience at that time was massive and the impact was massive and it wasn't just that there was a lot of product that you could get your hands on it was the store itself uh and it meant something to go to macy's uh and you told people about it and and, you know i'm i want people i want to go i want to be in another phase of that where like retail is exciting and we're not talking about oh god we're getting clobbered by e-com and malls are dying and shops are closing and you know, there's an opportunity out there because people like to go out and do stuff and people like to buy things. No, I, I agree. I feel like the last 10 years has been very, very mundane. Um, you know, and, and kind of grim yeah. and like, I don't know, like the whole idea is like, how are we going to survive as opposed to like, how am I going to thrive? How am I going to change the game? And now's the time. Yeah, no, I agree. There's less competition. <laughs> no, no, it's true. It's, sadly, it is true. It is. You it know. is it's true. There's a, there's a lot of vacancy. But, yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I I think you know I'm I'm excited for for where malls even evolve into. You know, it's 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 not. You know, I love you know from what I've been reading and, and seeing, and we love the idea that you know the the abandoned anchor stores could become you know uh, the Italy equivalent. You know, it's yep. it's a dining experience, or you have more of the you know, do I say Brooklyn Bowl type experience venues that that pop up and 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 more you know entertainment to where it's you know going to the mall or a lifestyle center is not a shopping experience that your parents are dragging you to for for back to school clothing. It's more of a hey, there's actually something cool to hang out. Um, yeah, and do take take it back to the uh, you know fast times at Ridgemont High days where you know there was like a yeah, cool absolutely. reason to go to the mall and hang out. And I mean, look, I went to the arcade. There, you know? so did I, so did um, I, so did and, I. And the arcade was not there because it was their number one moneymaker. The arcade was there because it got us into the mall. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go to Sam Goody's or something and, you know, buy a cassette. 
Sam Goody's. Um, and you go across the street and then you go across the way to, to Suncoast. That's right. And uh, grab an Orange Julius while I'm in the Grab an Orange Julius and, and, uh, and, and an Ethan's or a Friendly Frank. Friendly Friendlies. I, I live in the land of malls. You know this. New Jersey is, is the yeah, land yeah. of malls. I mean, it's it's you name it, they're, they're here. Um, I do miss some of the older malls. With, oh, don't get me started with the, like, the old <laughs> um, <laughs> terracotta tile on the floor. Oh, and, yeah. The oh, oh, those were the days. We had a there was like a a mall that was on its very last legs. I think there were like four businesses left in the entire mall, and one of them was a pool hall that I used to go to when I was in college. And we all called it the Dead Mall. And uh, but it was such like the coolest thing to walk around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, malls are another one where you know when they when that concept first launched and that was the thing and it was a whole new way to experience shopping mm-hmm. that was amazing um, yeah. but we evolve and we change and now the basic tenants of that aren't enough and so yeah we're seeing you know the smarter you know malls that have the ability to you know bring in more experience driven uh, elements uh, yeah, so I mean, with with malls, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I you know, I'm, I'm enjoying so far what I've been reading. I think Westfield has been uh, doing a lot of interesting things with with pop ups out in California, several of their properties, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping here. I mean, the the interesting one, I think, um, I haven't been out to it yet, is um, the one that's up in North New Jersey. That is a lot of the development oh, the going new, on because uh, um, it's so many America, times. Xanadu uh, American Dream. American Dream, that's right. Um, because that's gearing. That's that's brought to you skewing, by Mall of America. Bought to you by Mall of America. Yes. Um, I mean, that's skewing more towards experience now, because um, they couldn't fill with retail, and so it's they're giving more space to Nickelodeon, to um, Merlin Entertainment, who's coming in there. You know that that you know the mall becomes you know as much as uh, we were just speaking with a big uh, theme park operator about their retail. Uh, and you know, a lot of these big mall, like that, you know, the American dream is, is, is a theme park with some, with some, you know, with some shopping and restaurants attached to it. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of the theme parks, the, you know, the restaurant retail side of them are, are massive. Yeah. And there's a lot of opportunity. So, well, thank you very much for, uh, for jumping on and, and chatting with me. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it was great. I really uh, had a great time. So if you can let everyone know, how do they find or get a hold of you and just, just see more of the great projects you guys have uh, worked on? Sure. You can check out the shop at bravomedia.com and people are more than welcome to give me a shot, david at bravomedia.com. And, uh, and I'm on LinkedIn and always happy to connect there. I think there's one other David title. I believe he's a dentist. Um, so that one's not me. Um, but he's probably a good dentist, so what the hell? I hope he's good. Uh, I just gave him a plug. <laughs> you know, I, he got the name somewhere. Um, and uh, yeah, and I would love to uh, love to chat more with folks who are, you know, either from the, you know, on the brand side, on the making side, on the creative side, whatever. It's, uh, it's a great topic. Well, thank you again. And uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Experience by Design Podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at OpenEyeGlobal and also at Brian Mazeros. Till next time, thanks for listening.